world is cruel. And the only morality in a cruel world is chance. Unbiased, unprejudiced, fair. His son's got the same chance she had. 50-50. What happened to Rachel wasn't chance. We decided to act. We three. Then why was it me who was the only one who lost everything? It wasn't. The Joker chose me! Because you were the best of us. He wanted to prove that even someone as good as you could fall. And he was right. You're the one pointing the gun, Harvey. Disappointed at the people responsible. Fair enough. You first. Everybody's bad fans about pants and socks and uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is now. I can't, I can't even remember what it is. You added so much socks. stuff, you couldn't keep track. <laughs> it's bad fans without pants and socks and 52 inch waist. There you go. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody's here. I'm Dean, Tim, and um, Terrence is joining us again. So, Terrence, why don't you tell the good people at home, listening at home, and by the good people, I mean. Alex, Corbin, and uh, Jake. Why don't you tell <laughs> them what, what what you've been up to? You know, it's kind of sad because I was thinking about that. To what to tell you guys is there's really not been that much going on in the last uh, six or seven months since the last time we talked. But I've been kind of on a, I know a lot of Batman. We'll talk a lot of Batman stuff. But I'm kind of baseball too. You guys are into baseball, so I took um, the kids this weekend to uh, Baltimore to see Derek Jeter and the Yankees because they had, they had actually never been to a Yankee game. So we had, we had to see Jeter one time. So it was a Jeter love fest. And then they had the all-star game um, this weekend, you know, on Tuesday, which was also another uh, total uh, Jeter love fest. So been a, a lot of baseball going on uh, and uh, getting uh, kind of excited about some of the Batman stuff. Nice. I would say that's, Really cool they took him to Yankees games. Just cheater stuff aside, but Yankees have been awful this year. Just awful. <laughs> yeah. The uh, pitching um, is just they, – they've been hurt a lot. But uh, the A's have been doing really well. So, yeah. Yes, they have. But, but you know, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, so 
How about we not talk about the A's? Because they're losing right now 2-1. to one. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. Oh, we better win tonight since they're playing the Orioles, and that would really help the Yankees out. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But hey, I, had a, I had a quick one for you, Tim. July 6, 1983, uh, uh, 1983 All-Star game. And for some reason, I don't know why, but as a kid, I was kind of fascinated that no one had ever hit a grand slam in the All-Star game. And um, that night, July 6, 1983, I had to look it up. I don't know that from memory, though. Uh, I was offered either stay home and watch the All-Star game, and I was in third grade at the time. Stay home and watch the All-Star game or go to the movies and see Return of the Jedi. Uh, (laughs) And I had never seen Return of the Jedi because it it only played in one theater around me, and there was line – I mean, literally, the line would wrap around the building, and we would drive by it all the time, and my parents would be like, oh, we're not getting in that line. We'll wait till the line dies down. We'll wait till the line dies down. (laughs) So uh, I did have a friend who waited in that line, and he said it was crazy because, like – he would move and everybody would go in and then it would stop and you'd have to wait for the whole showing of the movie and then that they'd leave and then the line would move again and you were just like praying like please let me get in this time and not have to sit out here another whole showing of the movie but uh i i went to see return of the jedi it was the first time i saw return of the jedi <laughs> and as i was leaving i remember in the parking lot people talking that fred lynn hit a grand slam in the all-star game so i i missed the one and only grand slam ever in the all-star game for uh return of the jedi <laughs> Well, Terrence, I think it's safe to say you made the correct choice. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't have remembered what day I saw Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Been for that, so uh, it was kind of fitting. My rule book is Star Wars trumps everything. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another good thing I know that you caught up on since uh, you've been on the last episode you've been on. You've started watching Clone Wars, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been able to watch it as fast as I want to because uh, I'm watching it with the kids in the time right and everything. But now that it's on Netflix, and it is awesome. I've loved it so far. I've actually, I think I watched like the first six episodes, and then I went back and watched them again before I watched any more. So uh, I can't wait to finish it, and I can't wait to watch Rebels. That that's uh, that, that that one's awesome. Yeah, and I can safely say with Clone Wars, it's just gonna get better and better. <laughs> yeah. Go on. All right. Well, anyway, baseball aside, and uh, the Yankees sucking a lot. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to our Dark Hat Rises Minute commentary thing that we don't really have a name for. Or did, did, we did name it, Tim. I just can't remember what the name was. You just added the word stuff. It was Dark Hat Rises Minute Commentary. Stuff. Commentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, what, whatever Tim said, that's the title of it. So, uh, yeah, just for, for this episode, we're going from minute, what is it, Tim? 16 to 17. So, uh, just queue up your digital download or whatever you have to minute 16, and I'll, I'm going to give the countdown. So, uh, Tim, are you ready? Uh, let's do it. Terrence, are you ready? I am ready, and I previewed this earlier, so thank you for saving the uh, section that refers to bestiality for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Bruce Wayne and a chimpanzee. <laughs> Alright, so with that, uh, three, two, one, hit play. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny because I've noticed on, of listening to you guys, there's always like that silence when it starts, and I'm like, don't be silent, and then there was the silence. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you changed that this minute, Terrence. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is where Alfred just drives me nuts. Hey. I wonder if he was referring to uh, Detective Chimp when he said the chimp. <laughs> yeah. W- w- would he really rather see him with a chimp? 
Z than just like being private in the mansion. And then how come Alfred gets no trouble for bringing Selena Kyle in on the staff and giving her the key to get in there? That's just like that, that doesn't even get mentioned. And you know, I don't know, just drives me nuts. Nice. I think it's safe to say not one of Alfred's finest moments in the Dark Knight trilogy for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's almost as bad as letting Vicky Vale in the Batcave. <laughs> and we end on a sad face from Alfred. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sad that the minute's over. All right, so that's our minute-by-minute minute commentary uh, thing, or whatever stuff. I'm calling it. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, stuff thing. I think it's just called thing stuff. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Terrence had to leave because his mic sucked, and it's unfortunate. But, I mean, we, we got him back f- briefly, very briefly, right? Tim? Yes, unfortunately, technical difficulties still plague us, right? Even though you had your internet connection fixed. <laughs> it's yeah, I got a better fixed. internet connection. I'm on a new computer. It still sucks. I mean, we we still have problems, so. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be back for the next episode, though, so. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, but anyway, Tim, well, why don't you tell the good people about our future topic for this episode? Yeah, so our future topic is going to be, I don't want to say it's an honor of Batman's 75th anniversary, but it got me thinking, 75 years, Batman, his characters and stories have gone through tons and tons of changes throughout those 75 years. So I thought it would be fun to kind of discuss what are what those changes, what are our favorites, which one was our least favorites, that have been made to the Batman mythos overall, or just to some characters in general. So go ahead and start us off, Dave. What was the, I guess we'll start with our favorites. What was a change to a character or storyline that you thought was made for the better than what was originally in the comics? So so are we talking about the whole Batman universe? Anything or? you want, yep. <laughs> All right, okay, I see. TV series, games, or different comic series. I'm going to say... Uh, Bruce Wayne, quote unquote, dying in um, Final Crisis uh, because it kind of opened up the opportunity for Dick to become Batman, and I really like Dick as Batman. I, I I thought he was written really well, and I know some people didn't like it, but to me, that's some of the best comic stories I've read since you know, you know, when I was a little kid, and you know. Everything is the greatest thing in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so to me, it's uh, Dick becoming Batman because it, it it was just a nice change, and it, I mean, it took a while to get used to, but it was it was just such a nice, such a great change from you know just Bruce again as Batman. I mean, he will always be Batman, but just to see somebody else underneath the cowl, you know. Yeah, that's a good one, Brian, because. That one didn't actually come to mind when I was thinking over what was some of my favorite changes made to the character, but you're right. And like you said, when that was announced, there was people who said, oh, I'm not going to read a Batman comic if Bruce Wayne's not in it. But so those stories that Grant Morrison put out, it's been the Batman and Robin title, you know, those were, some, like you said, some of the best stuff for Batman and Robin we've had in a long time, really. Did some yeah, awesome yeah, stuff. The dynamic between Dick and Damian was great. So much that when Bruce finally came back, there's a lot of people who didn't want to see Dick go up to Calvi and Batman and have Bruce be Batman and Robin with Damien, so it served its purpose real well. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Grant Morrison. It's some of the best Grant Morrison stuff yeah. I read in a while, and man, it was just so great. And the 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 the, the 
dynamic between, you know, uh, Dick and, um, and Damien was great. And, you know, Damien and, uh, Stephanie was great. And it, it was kind of like rebooting the title without really rebooting it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably my, my favorite change that I can remember. (laughs) Do you regret that it didn't last longer? Or do you think it was, it served its purpose in the length that it did have or do you still wish it was going on right now? <laughs> I think it's kind of like the Beatles, to be honest. <laughs> but, like, they kind of ended things kind of at the height. I mean, they weren't at the top, but they were they were still great, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, there, there's some days where I'm like, oh, man, I wish this was Dick as Batman. But I'm I'm glad it ended where it did. It, it's it's kind of like a TV show that ended, you know, at at the height of its popularity and greatness, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I remember when those last issues were coming out. I mean, I just couldn't wait to <laughs> each month. Those were my most anticipated comics to get and read first right away. Especially right. when we got one that was the Return of Doctor Hurt, and then they had the big Joker reveal in the middle of that. It's tons of cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great choice. <laughs> See. I'm uh, I'm a better Batman fan than you are. <laughs> well, for me, I'm going to go to the movies for one of my favorite changes that was made. And it's going to harken to Batman Begins. And the change that I like was how Bruce Wayne and his origin story and his training and how it was associated with Rachel Gould and the League of Shadows. To me, that just seems like it's such a no-brainer that it's almost something where, how come no one didn't do that before, where that, that was the thrust of Batman's training? Because usually it's just, you know, he goes to different parts of the world. He goes to Japan to get his martial arts training. He goes to other parts of the world. I remember in the animated series, he goes with Satara, the magician, to become an escape artist, which was cool. But I know in the movie you really couldn't showcase all of that, but the story they wanted to tell. So just the fact that his training and his pretty much the basis for him being Batman, all the stuff he's learned comes from his greatest enemy, Ra's al Ghul, and just how it all ties in together. This makes this... Uh, training and the origin story a little more dramatic and more of an epic feel to it, knowing that his arch enemy is the one who trained him, and now they're at odds. So I just think that was such a cool addition that they made to it, where it's almost as if it would be kind of, if they did it in the comics where that became his canon origin, where he did train him as a League of Shadows with Ra's al Ghul, would be like, oh, that's just kind of lazy, where they're just stealing it from Batman Begins, and they're just instead of just paying homage to it. So maybe it's best that the comics does stay separate separate from that, but I just think it's such a cool idea where I probably wouldn't mind seeing it incorporated so other different versions of Batman, maybe if it's an animated new animated series or something and they decide to go that route, because I just think it just adds so much to the, the aspect of Bruce's training, because that's one of my favorite things about the character and the point of, of Batman is all the training that he did, and that would connect with his greatest villain, I think, was a job well done for Nolan and David Goyer to come up with that idea. I just thought it was really cool. And like I said, almost a no-brainer. It was like, how come no one did that before? <laughs> the only thing that would have made that whole sequence better in Batman Begins is, like I said, if they had time to showcase more of Bruce getting training all over the world. But, again, you can't do that in a two-hour movie, so <laughs> it's understandable. But they just thought they did a great job with incorporating that aspect to his training and origin story. Yeah, you know, that's a... That's a great choice, too, because not only is there that aspect, but for, like, the first, I mean, like, it, it it's how everything falls into place after that, you know, yeah. like 
for, for like an hour, it doesn't even feel like a Batman movie. Mm. I mean, if you didn't know the title of the movie, you probably wouldn't know it's a Batman movie. And, yeah, it's just everything falls so greatly into place after that moment, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it ties in all together at the end, too, when you think he's done with all that. <laughs> like, you're not going to see the League of Shadows or Ra's al Ghul again. Then you get that great surprise twist <laughs> at, oh, at the end with Liam Neeson being Ra's al Ghul. Spoilers yeah. for those that haven't seen it nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and another thing, too, is uh, um, how it connects with The Dark Knight Rises. And it, I don't know about, I don't know about you, Tim, but for me, like, it kind of paid off in The Dark Knight Rises, where you get that one little scene with Liam Neeson, and then it's done. And it's, it's just so perfect. Uh, I mean, I love it. I would say, too, I'm kinda, I would always wish this was the case, that they would incorporate the Lazarus bit somehow, even though I know no one goes for the realistic take, and that wouldn't fit, but there's a part of me that would wish that when I heard that Liam Neeson was going to be in Dark Knight Rises that it wouldn't be a dream or flashback or anything. Like, oh, come on, be the Lazarus fit. That just would have made it better. <laughs> and even Bane, too, they made his story work into the League of Shadows also, because that's a big change from how he was in the comics. But for the moving story they were telling there, I thought it worked perfectly. I didn't, when I saw it and they showed his Bane's origin, I didn't go, oh, that's different from the comics. And like, <laughs> but it just fit with the story that they were telling, so... It's a great job all around, pretty much, with the League of Shadows. Yeah. All right, so how about we get to the more interesting part? Of <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'll go first, because mine is really fast and really quick. Are you ready, Tim? I'm ready. Let's see. Catwoman, period. <laughs> <laughs> the comic. I can't believe you would choose that. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, they screwed that book royally. Uh, it's terrible. It's bad. It's a wasted opportunity after, uh, you know, Dark Knight Rises and, you know, Anna Hathaway's Catwoman. Huge, huge wasted opportunity. Um, you know, when Judd Winnick was doing it, it was, uh, it's not great, but it's not bad. Yeah. Kind of right in the middle. And Anna Senti took over. Oh, and ruined it completely, completely. And I don't have to explain it to you guys, whoever's listening to this podcast, but uh, that was just stupid, terrible, and bad. <laughs> but as we'll talk about later, there is hope. <laughs> there is A new hope, if you will. <laughs> but for mine... No, no, wait. Oh, wait. Let's just hope. The Empire doesn't strike back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Senti> strikes back. <laughs> and if it does, let's hope the Jedi returns. <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Jud. Jud yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I'm kind of going to go similar to you, but it's one I just have to mention, but this one's pretty easy, so it won't be my final choice. But the Joker killing Batman, or Bruce Wayne's parents in the 89 movie, I think that one's probably on most people's list of changes they never liked. So that one might be too obvious of an answer, so I won't go fully into depth with that, but that one still bugs me to this day every time I watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, you see, I I thought you liked that. No. <laughs> Did you hear me wrong or something? Oh. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm right there with you, Tim. I thought that was a bad, bad choice. I know Kyle Higgins has explained it, but it, it's it's just one of those situations, like um, people telling me that the Dark Knight Strikes Again is a good book. <laughs> you just can't see it. <laughs> it's just no, no, thank you. I mean, I, I've read it in its entirety, and no, thank you. <laughs> But I guess for my definitive disappointment that I've had, it's pretty recent. It's going to go with the new 52. I really don't like what they did with how they're handling the Robins and how it's only been five years and Bruce went through four Robins. It just doesn't work for me. I really don't like it because it doesn't – I mean, he didn't really develop that much of a relationship with each of those characters. Because if you think – I'm not too sure, but the DC universe is pretty much – They've been superheroes five years, but how long into the first year where he's Batman did he adopt Dick Grayson? Was it right away in the first year, or was it a year after? So it's really only four years he's had with those Robins. And so when I think of those five years, I think how it should be was that Dick was Robin for those five years. That's how it should be, to develop that relationship with Batman. And then with Jason Todd and Tim Drake and then Damien, just way too short of a time period where – it doesn't feel like they have that close-knit family that you know that they're supposed to have, and we had in the previous continuity with all the stuff they've been through. And yeah, what's that, worse is they try to force it. Yeah. They try to force it. Like, that whole scene in, uh, what was it? Um, was it Death of the Family? What, which one? At the end with Joker? No, 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 no. Uh, or, or was it uh, Tomasi's Batman and Robin, where they're all together, and they watch... Uh, I think it's Zorro they watch. Oh, yeah, that was Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they try to force it in, and it's... Uh, it's like, yeah, it, it would be not cool. working. Yeah, but <laughs> you just have to pretend it's in the old continuity to make it yeah. really work, because it would be a really cool moment. And then just to throw in what they did with Tim Drake and his origin story, that's just really... <laughs> it still is a bad t- taste in my mouth with what they did with his origin, not being Robin and Red Robin and all that. It's just, yeah, I mean, they're such an important part of Batman's world and his development of the character even this just doesn't have the same effect as it did in the previous continuity where like whenever tim drake shows up when i'm reading batman eternal it's not it doesn't feel like tim drake to me it just doesn't have that same feel like he's been robin previously it's that same character this has a totally different feel when i read uh, a book with him in it now granted i haven't been reading teen titans but just from what i've been reading in batman eternal it just doesn't feel like the same character to me in that the same, it doesn't hold the same weight as he used to, knowing that it, he's barely even Robin or Red Robin, <laughs> not even Robin. So I would say that's probably one of my biggest disappointments of changes that they made to the Batman mythos. I just one day hoping they'll just get somehow change the new 52 status quo where it wasn't just five years, <laughs> make it 10 or something. I, I mean, from day one, I remember we talked about this. That was the one thing we were concerned about, and that it ended up not working in the end. So I, I think they're not going to change it, but it still bugs me. Yeah, and I'd even accept if, like, one comic, it's the old New 52 continuity where, you know, they're all separate. You know, Bruce had that five-year thing. And the next, the next issue, it's, you know, it's back to the old continuity. I, I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't complain about that. I mean, I wouldn't care. And I think even if they really wanted to, this probably upset more fans, but if it's truly a new reboot, they should have just 
kind of start fresh. Don't have Jason Todd. Don't have Tim Drake. Just have Dick Grayson be in the books for a few years. Then you introduce him later on as the years go by. This is really a new continuity. But because they knew fans would probably be upset that those characters are gone, they had to stick them all in there and try to have both ways where it's a reboot, but at the same time, things that happen did happen, but they're different, but they're the same. <laughs> it's like a, it's a total mess. I think it would have been better if they just started fresh and gradually introduced these characters that we're familiar with. I, I, think- know, I, I, I think it's just a bad situation overall, and there's nothing they can really do. Yeah, except, they can't do about it now. Yeah. yeah, except just one issue. It's the old the old version where it's five years or whatever. The next the next issue it's back to the pre New Fifty Two continuity. Man, I can't really see a way how they can fix that. Unless they do another reboot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're not going to do that. No, because that's kind of what they're doing with the Flash. They just reintroduced Wally West. They didn't bring him right away, and that's kind of what I wish they would do with the Robin stuff, but. Uh, it is too popular of characters to have, well, I guess, to wait to introduce them, that to have them all in there from the get-go. But, uh, <laughs> like you said, there's nothing we can do about it, and we don't think it's going to change, unfortunately. <laughs> you just have to pretend while you're reading it. If there's something you really like, just go, oh, I'll just pretend it's in the old continuity for this one moment. <laughs> yeah. Or just make your own continuity. I mean, at this point, I feel, personally, that they they really screwed up the continuity really, really bad. And they can't go back and redo it because they've done it already. And they've... What, what's the right word? They've uh, they've jipped us on certain things. And there's really no way to go back and explain and redo certain things, you know? Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say? Any any other questions or whatever? It's kind of like I don't want to end this on a downer. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, do I another positive that. change. That we like. <laughs> <laughs> I will say another positive change that I thought worked really well. I'll go back to the movies where, uh, for the Dark Knight, what they did with uh, Harvey Dent's character in Two Face, they just did an amazing job with that. Where that's become my favorite interpretation of the character. I just we just watched The Dark Knight a week ago, and just, again, it's as great as ever. <laughs> like that movie's never going to get old. It still remains the greatest superhero movie of all time. Just everything works so well with that. In particular, Harvey Dent's arc, and then how he's portrayed as Two Face. It just gave the character so much more depth. Where you got to see him as a truly good character, and then see him fall, and then kind of understanding why he wants to get revenge. But then by the time he has Gordon's family hostage, you know he's crossed the line. There's no turning back from him. But I mean, the only downside was that he died at the end. But other than that, it was probably the best portrayal of the character I think we're going to get. And something that was different uh, to how he was portrayed in the comics and in the animated series. I mean, the core stuff was there. He was a district attorney, of course, the coin and all that stuff. But they just made it work so well. And just made when I was watching for this time, I was like, man, they're nailing this. It's like, that is the Two-Face I've been wanting to see. This is a version of Two-Face that trumps all the other ones. They just did a phenomenal job with the character. So... <laughs> Oh, well, he, he he didn't have to try that hard. I mean, his competition <laughs> was well. Tommy Lee Tommy Jones. Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Even from the animated series, you know how that pretty much tops my list of everything. But what they did with Two Face in yeah. the Dark Knight trumped what they did in the Batman the animated series, which for me, you know, is saying something. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, the thing about The Dark Knight is it seemed like Chris Nolan and David Goyer and uh, Chris Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan, (laughs) um, it seems like they took the best ideas from the greatest Batman comics ever written and they made it their own thing in their in their own movie. And I watched it recently. And I have to say, like, the last 10 to 15 minutes it are some of the greatest minutes yeah. <laughs> in uh, the superhero movie genre. I was going I mean, as far as to say movies in general. <laughs> Not that I well, yeah, you got a point there, too. And, I mean, it's just... It's just the way they they pieced everything together, you know. And then at the end, it's just uh, it's it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I remember before I saw it, I was at work one day, and these there's some people there who were friends with my boss at that at that time, and then they got an early screening of it. They said, "Yeah, it's really good." But it just went on like a little like a little too long, like 10 or 15 minutes too long. I saw it, and I still heard that complaint after I saw it. Like, man, what are these people talking about? That's like one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> I wish it was longer. Yeah. I mean, were they Batman fans? Not or really. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, not diehards, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I thought Avengers went a little too long. Yeah, I've heard that complaints too. It seems like anything yeah. that hits the over the two hours mark, you're always going to get that complaint when it's a little too long. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, maybe it's because we're Batman fans that, <laughs> uh, that we complain. <laughs> and hopefully, Star Wars Episode Seven will be three hours long. <laughs> Heck, even Batman v Superman that could be three hours long too. <laughs> yeah. Or um, if uh, Star Wars Episode Seven is three hours long. Do you think we are going to get a Jar Jar scene? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I don't think he's going to... Uh, I don't think we're going to see a trace of any Gungans in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> he's the best part of Star Wars. I don't know why people don't see that. <laughs> no one gets his comedy. <laughs> he's one of those comics where you just have to... Only certain people get. <laughs> There's a, sta- a standalone movie idea, a, a Jar Jar extended comic movie. <laughs> yeah, or the or, or the uh, Jar Jar musical, <laughs> just like a straight up musical, like in the fifties, <laughs> like a Wizard of Oz kind of movie. <laughs> oh man, imagine how terrible that would be. And yet, I'd still go see it like three times. <laughs> <laughs> They've been pretty screwed up if, like, let's say episode seven runs into some production trouble and Disney ends up canceling it. Like, they're like, you know what, it's not even worth the trouble or the money. Well, uh, <laughs> never say it's not worth the money. <laughs> we're going straight to uh, Jar Jar. The Jar Jar musical, that's what we're going to release. We're going to release three movies. That's going to be episode seven, eight, and nine. Well, they already had production trouble with Harrison Ford breaking his ankle. Maybe what they should have done, they should have written out Han Solo and replaced him with Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, people are complaining that you know Harrison Ford broke his leg and production's going to be all screwed up. But he can just do the sitting down scenes. And when his leg heals, he can do the standing up scenes. I think that's the plan. They're just rescheduling all the shooting stuff. 
I know in August yeah. they're going on like a two-week hiatus probably to reshuffle things. I'm sure that's right. going to be something they're going to do, yeah. But right. the thing so, is that so, he's so supposed to be such a central burning. character, though, <laughs> that he probably had a lot of scenes where he's not just sitting down. Well, just rewrite him. No, I don't want him rewriting anything. <laughs> when I see that movie, I want to see the story that he had originally wanted to tell from day one. So what if it comes out and it's terrible? <laughs> I have a feeling you asked me that before. <laughs> I probably am. <laughs> I think we got off the downer that we were talking about with New 52, Robins, and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, Jar Jar musicals and comedy movies and being in episode 7, I think, got us more on the positive light. <laughs> what did you say? Yeah, I definitely say that we've gotten off of the depressing down down feeling of the screwed up New Fifty Two. And uh how about we just roll with that, Tim? And uh well, why don't you tell the good people at home and by good people I mean those three guys that write us every time or almost every time. Um and why don't you tell the good people about the new Catwoman and Batgirl creative teams? Yeah, so we alluded to the new hope <laughs> for the Catwoman title, and this yeah. is it. Finally, Anne Nascenti is off the book, <laughs> or she's going to be off the book. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, I think DC announced this a week or two ago, but it's going to be two writers, of course, who I'm not too familiar with, but apparently they were artists, but now they're going to be switching, taking over writers' duties, I believe. But or else I'm getting that confused with... Uh, Batgirl, which we're going to talk about later. I think I'm getting that confused with Batgirl. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's going to be for Catwoman, Genevieve Valentine, and artist Gary Brown are going to be taking over. But still, even though I got them mixed up with the Batgirl writing team, I'm still not familiar with <laughs> Genevieve Valentine and what she's written. But at this point, it's like, I don't care who's going to get to write the book as long as it's not Anna Senti. <laughs> I might give this a chance again. And just the concept of it sounds better, too, where it's supposed to be taking place after the events of Batman Eternal, when she looks like She's going to be running the pretty much organized crime in Gotham. Because we got that short uh, preview of Batman Eternal with uh, Batman and Bluebird in that episode, or episode, that issue. <laughs> and Catwoman was like the crime boss in there. So it looks like we're going to be seeing more of her in that role, which could be a good change. Speaking of changes, this might be something that would be a welcome one for Catwoman as a character. Because we all know, <laughs> in the New 52 anyway, she needed a big change from what was going on. So... No, 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 not a big change. She needed a gigantic change. (laughs) A colossal change. A colossal change. A titanic change. (laughs) So, yeah, just hearing the description in the new creative team, it got me excited again. So it's pretty much depending on, I guess, I'll probably will check it out, but really we'll be more excited once I get more into uh, Batman Eternal, how her character shakes up with that. So hopefully it'll all work together, but. And I think Anasenti's going on to do uh, a Clarion ongoing series, which is that little witch boy. <laughs> you remember that Batman the Animated Series episode with Etrigan? There's that little boy who's oh. controlling him. The boy with the orange shirt. Did he have an orange shirt? He had an orange cat. Yeah, I think I remember it. <laughs> Apparently DC wanted to give him his own book. And <laughs> like, okay, yeah, that's it. Anderson who wants to write that character, that's fine by me. <laughs> she, she can, can go destroy that. Yeah. Yeah. She can go destroy that character. Nobody cares about that character. Exactly. Sorry if you're an Etrigan fan or that boy with the orange cat in the Batman the Animated Series fan. 
Uh, but yeah, she she can go destroy that character with her. Um, I'm too cool for school kind of writing. <laughs> but uh, I was gonna say something about Anna Santis Catwoman. I'm trying to play. Terrible. Besides, yeah, <laughs> so you can't say. <laughs> there's no bright spot. I mean, there's literally no bright spot. I tried to change. The, they changed the artist. They didn't do anything, and. That book was still terrible. That's what I wanted to say. I'm trying to remember when, how long was she actually on the book? Has it been over a year or two years now? Has it? Because I want to say the first thing I remember reading, which kind of raised a red flag, was when it was a zero uh, issue where she yeah, actually turns over to like, uh oh, they're going this route. <laughs> yeah, I think it was around issue twelve or thirteen or fourteen. She took over. So yeah, it's almost gonna be two years. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, by the time it gets up to this issue, oh, way too long, man. <laughs> I'm just wondering how how that book didn't get canceled. I mean, did did people really pick up that book? I know. I mean, I haven't looked into it. But I'm curious to see how much it sold. Yeah, that. Now that's the big mystery here. How much did that book sell? And it, and why didn't it get canceled? I mean, were people really picking up that book? I mean, she she wrote it in a way that where it wasn't for kids, and any adult would just throw it away. So <laughs> did it, you literally throw an issue away or burn it or something? I think you tore one up, didn't you? No, no, I uh, fell asleep with it. I think and. <laughs> I bent it like I I uh, rolled onto it and it got all bent up. So I just I just throw it away. I mean, it's not gonna be worth anything. It sucks. It's terrible. I'm sure you're so heartbroken when you woke up, but found it all wrinkled and ruined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I I unfortunately maybe this was this used to be the collector in me. I unfortunately went back and bought another copy. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, I'd be careful admitting that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dustin will kick me off this podcast and off the website. You bought two of the same issues of Catwoman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it looks like it's going to start with issue 35, so pretty much only yeah. two more issues. So it's right around the corner. Yeah, pretty soon. Pretty soon. <laughs> pretty soon the nightmare will be over. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of nightmares, <laughs> the... Uh, Batgirl's going to get a new creative team. Uh, so, so why don't you tell tell them the new Batgirl team, Tim? See, I don't think – I don't know if you have a bad vibe for this one. But I don't think this one's going to be a nightmare <laughs> if you're describing it that way. This one actually – at least the, uh, design-wise, I like it. I kind of oh, like that oh, one. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Maybe I should clarify. Um, I meant Gail Simone. Oh, <laughs> okay. I got you. <laughs> Another nightmare ending, I guess, <laughs> that you're going for. Yeah, like, I, I don't get why people defend Gail Simone. I mean, I understand it's the woman thing, but her writing is bad. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's bad. It's just really, really bad. Yeah, for me, when Batgirl first started, I, I was on board with it. I liked it for the first few issues. Then it kind of got hit, hit and miss, and then by the time uh, it got to the whole end of the arc where Gordon was chasing after her. That was like, eh, I think this might be a good point to stop. Because <laughs> that one had a lot more, during that end run, there was a lot more misses than hits. So and then after that, there was some other, like a vampire arc or something like that. I didn't even bother getting into and just 
the other stuff after that never really appealed to me. So I was like, uh, I guess I'll just stop with it now because <laughs> nothing was intriguing to me in the last few issues I did read weren't that great. So, yeah, this is another welcome change. I think probably that's going to benefit the title. And the new creative team is going to be uh, Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher, who, like I said previously, are were previously artists, but now they're going to be co-writers for uh, Batgirl. And the artist for the title is going to be uh, Babs Tar, <laughs> appropriately. Her name's Babs. So art, artistically, I think the new design looks pretty cool. It's different. I like her new costume where it's kind of like a leather jacket and there's a cape that attached to it. It's, it's different, but it's not too different where it's like too drastic where you're going, ah, what are they doing? But it's a good change, and I'll probably give this one a shot too when it starts. Yeah, Tim, I'm right there with you. I I love her new redesign. Um, it kind of reminds me of the, the Friedhoff's Nguyen, Stephanie Brown Batgirl. I mean, there, there's like a little bit yeah, I can see that. of the comic edge like the or the uh, cartoony look, but there's enough of it to be a serious, you know, a serious re- redesign, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I haven't heard of these guys like you, but I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a try because Batgirl was – Another one of those books that was just a letdown. Um, maybe it's because of Brian Q. Miller. And then, you know, the new 52, it's Babs. Didn't start out right. It, I mean, the, I like the stories, but it's all about what happened to Babs and all that stuff. And then, like you, Tim, around the time where Gordon was going after Babs, it was uh, just going to... She's gonna save a little, save a little money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because I thought the same thing. <laughs> to me, that story was doomed from the start, and from what I hear, it wasn't very good. So, yeah, I'll, I'm I'm willing to give it a try, at least a couple of issues. And yeah. her redesign looks really good. I like her new costume. Um. And yeah, I I love it. One thing that. I'm a little iffy on him. We'll see how it goes. I mean, they're describing uh, what the story is going to be. It's that she's kind of moving, like, not out of Gotham, but to a different part of Gotham, what they're describing as the equivalent of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So the only thing I'm kind of questioning is that a lot of key members of the Bat family are moving away from Gotham. we got Dick doing his whole thing as a secret agent, now Batgirl <laughs> leaving Gotham. So pretty much um, who knows what Red Robin's going to be up to and. So pretty much Batman's all he's going to have is Bluebird maybe when she gets introduced fully in Batman Eternal. So yeah. And Jason Todd, you know, is never going to be a full-time member of Red Hood. So just kind of don't like it when they're supposed to be a team kind of, but they're all spread out in different parts where they're not maybe not going to see them work together too much. But I don't yeah. know. As long as the story's good for her own particular title, that's all that really matters. But this is something that popped into my head when I first read down. It's like, too many of the central Bat family characters are just moving away and not going to be a part of Batman's team, it looks like. I'm not sure about the other characters, but for Batgirl, um, I'm kind of on the opposite end of you. Mm. Um, I I like this book because she's away from Bruce. She's away from everybody. And I'm just hoping... I mean, it's not going to be just like Batwoman, but... I'm just hoping she can grow into her own because that's part of the problem with Gail Simone's run. You know, she didn't really grow into her own. Uh, she tried it with, you know, this 
this whole uh, I'm gonna leave the back the the Batgirl suit behind and you know, I'm not I'm not gonna be Batgirl anymore and all that stuff. She she tried that, but it just didn't work. So I'm just hoping, you know, Babs away from the Bat family with with occasional you know guest appearances by you know Batman or not Dick, of course. <laughs> or he's dead. <laughs> But maybe Tim, I don't know. But uh, just that the fact that she's away, maybe she'll grow into her own character. She'll be a strong character, a strong female character, like like uh, Kate is, or I should say was. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that title will fill the void, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but anyway... Uh, Tim, why don't you take our next uh, news topic? I mean, our news story. Yeah, it's all comics this episode. A lot of comic news. For <laughs> last time, it's pretty much yeah. Batman, Superman stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing because I mean, I I personally don't like um, comic podcasts that, or you know, podcasts like ours where we talk about everything Batman or. Let's say there's a Spider-Man podcast and they talk about everything Spider-Man, where they only focus on the the movie part of it, mm-hmm. and not so much the comic side of it. So, you know, it's a good thing. Yes, <laughs> especially when it's good news that we've gotten this week with <laughs> the new creative teams. But yeah, um, yeah, the next one is Scott Snyder announced his next arc after Zero Year, which is going to be called Batman Endgame. And the big thing about this one is that it's going to not take not run currently with the current timeline, but it's going to jump times again where zero years taking place in Batman's past. Endgame's going to take place in the future where it's not too much in the future, but it's kind of after Batman Eternal, after that's all said and done. So, I mean, it's Scott Snyder. I'm sure he's going to tell a great story, but the only thing that kind of gets me about it is that I wish it wasn't after Batman Eternal because I just don't want to spoil anything that we might see in Batman Eternal before it's over where we'll know the fates of certain characters that we're just starting to like get get used to now in Batman Eternal and maybe they'll show up in Batman Endgame and we'll know, okay, they'll survive or this is what's happened to them. I just hope not a lot of stuff gets spoiled in Batman Endgame because they're kind of viewing this, of course it's not going to be the last Batman stories, but it's called Endgame and it's going to be something that Batman's going to have to face that might uh, in some way, shape, or form cause it to be See, I don't even like saying this final story, but something that might make it look like it's going to be Batman's last few days as a character, but we know that's not going to happen. But something extreme is probably definitely going to happen. So it should be cool, but I just wish it was kind of in the same timeline as, as Eternal, but that's hard to do since that's going to go on for – it's a weekly book. It's going to go on for a year, so I understand why maybe they don't want to have two separate stories going on at the same time. So they're kind of in a tricky spot. So the main thing is I just don't want to see them spoil anything big in Batman Eternal. Yeah, um, I'm pretty much just going to say what I said about Zero Year. <laughs> um, why? I mean, I know it's going to be good. I know we're going to give positive reviews on this podcast, but just, just why? I mean, why are you going so far ahead in the future? Or not that far ahead, but, you know, it's the future nonetheless when – you have the current day that's struggling. It's struggling to, you know, it's struggling to find its 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 audience. I mean, it's it's not really 
it's not really perfect. And I don't expect it to be perfect, but I expect it to have some good stories in it. And the the best writer on the Batman books right now is going to go and take things into the future, which the people in the current day will have to match. And that puts restrictions on their story. Mm. So uh, I'm just wondering why. I mean, do you... Do you really need to leave your mark on the character when you're off when you're off all of the Batman books? I mean, because that's what it kind of seems like. Kind of seems like a narcissistic sort of, you know, mark uh, on the continuity. I don't know. I don't. I didn't get that feeling, at least for me. I just think they kind of maybe shot themselves in the foot a little bit with doing Batman Eternal as a weekly comic book and having it be part yeah. of the main continuity because it's definitely going to affect all these other books and just the fact that Snyder was doing something that takes place in the past and maybe just didn't want to jump right into the middle of a big arc that's going on currently so he probably just figured, okay, better just jump to the future and try not to spoil big things but yeah, this is a big wrench in Batman Eternal because I mean, that kind of it goes on for so long it's going to be hard not to spoil anything or have other stories going on at the same time. So uh, I'm excited for it, but at the same time, just a little concerned that it's going to spoil things for Batman Eternal or just make you have more questions and enjoying it where you'll see uh, maybe a certain character being in a different situation you're not used to and you're going, okay, that obviously is going to happen to Batman Eternal, but when am I going to see that and when am I going to put all the puzzles together? So stuff like that. So we'll see. I mean, Scott Snyder hasn't had a bad arc yet. So you <laughs> deserve the benefit of the doubt for at least for me anyway with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if you like it, I like it. I'll probably like it. <laughs> so it's, it's only, I'm just hoping it's good. There's only a few things we disagree on, <laughs> and we know the big one. <laughs> Which one is that, Tim? <laughs> Maybe Scott Snyder will, will bring Mr. Freeze in game. You know, change that. <laughs> <laughs> There's one I should have mentioned for my uh, disappointed changes made to the characters over the years. <laughs> Tim, I would kick you off this spot. <laughs> Do it by myself. <laughs> yes, that pales in comparison to what they did with the Robins. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that that's everything. So uh, we can move on to our conversation. Well, let's just, uh, <laughs> That's what we're calling it now. <laughs> uh, our conversation with Alex. So uh, Alex sent him an email. We always love him for that because he's like the. What is he like? He he's he's kind of like the the Derek Jeter of email writing. He should have retired two years ago, but he still keeps on going for some reason. His emails are just as good as ever. They just get better and better. Just like Jeter does with age. <laughs> uh, it, well, this year hasn't been as great as year. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say, you sure you want to see that? <laughs> he had a great all-star game. The first, he made a great diving play, like, on the first batter. Like, he hasn't made a play like that all year <laughs> in a normal regular season game. <laughs> he hasn't made a play like that in the past five years. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go that far. Or, no, I should say, Windows 8 is kind of like... Uh, Derek Jeter, you know, who's good, but... No, Windows 8, everyone hated it from the start, I remember. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, uh, let's get to uh, Alex's email. 
Alex says, hello, gentlemen. Thank you for calling us gentlemen. It's very proper of you. <laughs> um, he says, awesome episode as always. I was happy to hear Corbin in the podcast again. Uh, Tim, you had a great idea for Yoda, Yoda Origins series. I would love to read that. I haven't watched the original Star Wars trilogy in 15 years and finally wow. got a chance to watch them. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Good, good thing you got on that, Alex. <laughs> I know. I had a heart attack if that still was the case. <laughs> Tim would probably burn your emails, Alex. <laughs> I'll print them out and just burn them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says he's, he's a fan now. So uh, he says, Dane, your idea for Gal Gadot as Cassie Kane dot, 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 was interesting. Well, it wasn't really a theory. I was joking around. I, I hope you know that was a joke, Alex. Well, I don't want to see it stupid. <laughs> what if it's true and you end up being right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Then then I can change my name to El Mayimbe. <laughs> <laughs> right for a Latino review. Um, but he says, I'm not too familiar with David Kane. That would be neat if he was in one of the new Batman movies, if we get Cassie. You know what, I should Hello. just say real quick before we continue, James, that whole yeah. discussion we had, I think that script got, and Kevin Smith came out, I never wrote anything, and then the person that did come out and say it was like, yeah, I just did it for fun and see how like, far it could go, and I think certain, so I think it was a Latino review, I had to take a lot of posts down and kind of retract what they did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I hope somebody uh, did a... Um, what is that called? A screenshot of that. <laughs> Before this took it out. But it made for a fun discussion on our podcast, so <laughs> it was all good it's for us. Too bad Latino Review was dead wrong. <laughs> um, but he says, although if they're going with an assassin, I would really really like to see Deadshot one day on the big screen. I'm so glad I gave Grayson number one a shot, because it, it was a great issue, although I never would have bothered with it. If I didn't see all the great reviews since the final Nightwing issue put a really bad taste in my mouth, the agent role the agent role fits really well for the character, and I think I will enjoy the series even more than the Higgins run. Wow, that's, that's a big, <laughs> uh, that's a yep. big uh, prediction. You'll um, find out what I think of that coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Can, can you give us a little bit of a hint, Tim? I'll just say I won't go as far as what Alex was saying about it. Okay. Okay. So, in the middle. Um, where did I leave off? Oh, the agent role fits really well for, for the character. And I think I will enjoy the series even more than the Higgins run. Oh, yeah. I read that. <laughs> <laughs> With the announcement of the new creative team on Batgirl, I'm hoping for another pleasant surprise. Being Batman's 75th anniversary... It would be awesome to have that family firing at all cylinders. And his questions are, how well do you think Bruce raised the Robins? <laughs> Tim? Depends on which one you're talking about. <laughs> two Robins, not too good. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's wrong that he put these kids in such dire scenarios? Well, Alex, have you read All-Star Batman and Robin? Uh... Pre-New 52, I thought he had a great influence on them, giving them hope, great confidence, a fantastic education, and the skills to live up to their full potential, heroic potential. And I agree with you, Alex. You've, 
you really hit the nail on the head. Unfortunately, the New 52 kind of screwed that up. So, Tim, what what do you think? Yeah, pretty much what you said. Yeah, technically, in previous stories that we've had in animated series and DC animated movies and stuff, yeah, Batman did have a great effect on all those characters' lives. And the thing is, too, I remember there were some Batman Beyond episodes where, like, Barbara or Dick or even the comics stick anyway, and then Tim in the Return of the Joker movie was saying how uh, they couldn't wait to get done being, like, Batman's uh, partners and all that. But Bruce made the points to saying, hey, you all came to me. <laughs> it's like, I didn't really, wasn't my choice to get all of you into me, to, to my team. But except for Dick, Dick is the one Bruce sought out and, like, kind of had him, I don't want to say no choice, but he's he, Bruce presented that to Dick, whereas, like, Tim found out his identity and the Batgirl kind of did it on her own, so he really didn't take them in from the start. So, But no matter how they're brought in, I think, depending on the story, obviously, but for the ones that were great and then pre-New 52 continuity, and like I said, the animated series, Bruce taking in those characters was a good thing for the lives, because I'm sure their lives would have been totally <laughs> messed up, and this is even worse if Bruce wasn't there. I mean, who knows what would have, Dick would have went to with his parents died without Bruce being there for him, so... Yeah, I think overall it's definitely a positive effect. All right, so his next question is, what is your opinion on the Superman being the embodiment of all that's good and being the greatest superhero of all time claim? Ever since Man of Steel came out, I've seen so much hate for the new interpretation. Many list the Christopher Reeve movies and various origin stories as the best showcases of Superman, but I don't understand it. He has no repercussions for to his actions, a life that has everything handed to him, a limited power when the plot calls for it, a universe of incompetent civilians and invulnerability, except for an extraterrestrial rock that for some reason continues to be replenished on Earth. There are interpretations I really like, but I don't don't understand what puts him over someone like Spider-Man, who has a lot of power but has to take care of his family is ridiculed by the press and civilians, has enemies far stronger than him, he's a real disguise, is... <laughs> Freaking Alex. Um, is, a, is very vulnerable to pain and illness, chased by law, law enforcers, and faces many tragedies, yet remains cheerful, and never gives up heroic responsibilities. I think there are many other heroes that are better. Well, I have to disagree kind of what he's saying about Superman like being viewed as like the greatest superhero ever. To me, I even though Batman is my favorite character, there's something about Superman kind of being the number one superhero that just fits because, first of all, he was the first one created. I think he should have that title because without him, we wouldn't have any of the superhero characters at all. So just on that aspect alone, I think he should be viewed as the greatest. And since he is the first, I for first I just think it's cool. He's the first superhero created, and he's still he's sort of the most powerful ever superhero that's out there, except for like he said Kryptonite, but <laughs> he is still the strongest. I just love that about him, and he does embody all that stuff, like the true essence of goodness and all that stuff. I wouldn't say it was all handed to him. He kind of had to work through it as far as adapting to a normal life as a kid, and then his abilities when they came along. So I wouldn't necessarily say that, but. Uh, I get what you're saying about Spider-Man because I, Spider-Man to me is definitely a better character than Superman. He's my second favorite superhero. So, but I still be, 
hold Superman in regard as the greatest superhero ever created. Because without him, we wouldn't have anything else. We wouldn't have any other superheroes to talk about, to read about, or to watch movies of. So I think everyone owes him that at least. I just want to state for the record here that Batman will, will always be the number one superhero in my book. Unlike Tim. No, see, you missed the tip when I said Batman is always my favorite. I'm just playing, Tim. So you know how to work my buttons. <laughs> All right, and his uh, final question is, if you could redesign any hero and villain, what changes would you make? <laughs> well, we can't. Batman's had so many redesigns, that, and most of them are always cool, so... <laughs> It's got to be a new costume that was redesigned that didn't look good. What was it? I'm trying to think. Nothing's, nothing's coming to mind. Because <laughs> if I really like something, I don't want to change it too much. But Come on, Tim. Think. Oh, do you have anything? I I would have said Thor. But... They uh, made made him a girl. You know what? I will actually say the new female Thor, she has a cool helmet that the original Thor never had, so I think she looks better. I've always thought Thor looked stupid in that helmet, and I'm glad he doesn't have that in the the movies. Yeah, except for one scene in the opening, and then he doesn't work at all. (laughs) Yeah, but I can't think of anything here that I want to see a big redesign for. Superman. No, you got to stick with that. Oh. They tried that. Remember the red and blue, like, the electricity yeah. Superman? <laughs> <laughs> electricity Superman. Well, I like see, that. one I would have said maybe a year ago would have been Batwing, but then they gave him that awesome suit. <laughs> so yeah. I can't say that anymore, but I never liked his original suit. So they took care of that. I don't know. So I think we're going to give you – a disappointed answer with this one, Alex, where we don't really have an answer. <laughs> well, I gave him an answer. I, I would have said Thor, but they cha- I, I didn't know they were changing him to a her this week. I guess currently now we don't have any particular hero or villain <laughs> that we want to see change. And watch, by the time we do our next episode, they're going to do some massive redesign for some character. Oh, my God. Okay. You got one? So... Uh, Josh Donaldson just hit a game-winning three-run, <laughs> and fortunately, oh, oh, in the bottom of the ninth, and um, the Athletics beat the the, the Orioles five to four. Well, so <laughs> I'm so pleased, and I can sleep. I can sleep at night. So uh, yeah, sorry, Alex. So I, I was going to say, too, I hope the Oakland crowd gave uh, Manny Machado a nice hand. <laughs> what <do you> think? <laughs> well, well, he's trying to play it cool, like, oh, this situation is done for me. And, <laughs> you know, I've moved on. I've served my suspension. I'm moving on. Yeah, I, mean, I hope he gets plunked. <laughs> and he better walk to first base and not do anything stupid. <laughs> He'll throw off his helmet again and, like, uh, go up to Josh Donaldson for some familiarity. <laughs> Find him in the dugout. There you go. We can tie this to Alex's question. Do you want to see Oakland uh, get a revamped uniform? <laughs> no, no. I think it's a classic. It's kind of like the Yankees pinstripes. I just don't like it when they wear the 
that bright yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the retro ones? Yeah. <laughs> it's like bright green. Or yeah. <laughs> Just stick with the white and green. That's all with the yellow uh, trim lines on there. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said like I really want to see the see Oakland go to the World Series, and I really want to see them face the Pirates. And <laughs> all they wear is the throwback. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, see. You have to stop. You have to stop watching the game because it's so so bright. <laughs> I start hurting. You have to wear sunglasses to the night game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Alex. Um, Tim doesn't have anything for you, but for me, it would it would have been Thor. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Corbin and Jake suck, and they didn't send us any. <laughs> now we. We love all three of you. Uh, and um, they didn't send, send in an email this time, so uh, it's only Alex, our original emailer, that uh, is like Derek Jeter. He should have given up two years ago, but still keeps right on. And we love him for it, right? Since Alex is being compared to Jeter, he has to and make it up to uh, Jeter's total hits and send us that many amounts of emails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you got to work to over 3,000 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I I saw on Twitter they um they announced his retirement ceremony. Yeah. What are they going to do? Well, is he going to be like a Lou Gehrig thing? I mean, not Lou Gehrig. Um, what's that guy's name? What, Mickey Mantle? No, 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 the one from, oh, yeah, Lou Gehrig. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he'll give a speech, but I'm just gonna, I think they'll do it the same they did with Rivera last year. Yeah. Give him a bunch of gifts. They probably won't have Metallica play <laughs> for Derek Jeter, but they'll probably retire as number two there because, you know, oh. automatically no one's going to wear that jersey again. <laughs> did they retire uh, Rivera's number, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they retired it while he was still playing. <laughs> like two weeks the season was over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you, Alex. We love you, Jake, Corbin. The hell, guys, What's going on? Back the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you guys too, just as much as Alex. Maybe we like Alex a little bit more. Maybe he's our favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway. We can move on to to our uh, comic book reviews, and there's going to be a lot of spoiler stuff in here, so if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to come back to this part later. So uh, for this episode, we're covering the weeks of July 9th and July 16th. For July 9th, we have Batman Eternal Recap, issues 14 through 15, Detective Comics number 33, and Grayson number 1, which I'm really eager to hear about. Uh and for July 16th, we have Robin Rises Omega number one. So for July 9th, Tim, where do you want to start off? Uh, I've got to I guess I'll start with Batman Eternal, but it's only one issue. I only read number 14. So. Oh, wait, I forgot. <laughs> we forgot to say our uh, rating scale. Yes. <laughs> so so I think it should be... Uh... Hmm. I just had it. I don't know. I lost it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> How about um uh not to bright throwback jerseys? Yeah, I was gonna say something <laughs> to do with throwback jerseys. 
bright throwback jerseys that the the Oakland Athletics have. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is only one, but. Well, how about well, which one's that one or throwback bright throwback jerseys like to see in the World Series? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. All right, so uh, July 9th, uh, where do you want to start us off at? We'll go with Batman Eternal. Like I said, I only read the issue number 14, so it's not going to be quite a recap, just a normal review of one issue. And this one, it's kind of, I would say it's the end of, like, the first part or, like, first arc of the whole Batman Eternal storyline, I would say, because it does wrap some things up. But um, it kind of sets up where Penguin is fed up with Falcone pretty much destroying his criminal empire, <laughs> and Falcone is under some pressure because the new uh, detective Bard is cleaning up Gotham and like, exposing uh, Forbes, who's been pretty much an only a commissioner because Falcone put him there. So we see Bard taking uh, – we don't actually see it, which is one of my disappointments about this issue. He just says that Commissioner Forbes was arrested. But we see him kind of giving it to the mayor, knowing how he was corrupt and giving him some information. So he just – Pretty much not doesn't care who's in charge. If they're corrupt, he's going to take him down and bring him out. I like the kind of the exchange he had with the mayor at the end. He, the mayor just says to him, you're just like Gordon Kidd. And Bars is like, thank you. So <laughs> uh, I like that exchange. And then the other aspect of this issue was where Gordon, you know, James Jr. came to a cell in the previous issue telling him he's, like, he's making it possible for him to escape, and he expects Gordon to. And when Gordon looks like we see him leaving his cell, but then Batman confronts him, which was kind of saying, like, okay, like, what are you doing here? And Gordon's like, oh, I'm just making sure the door is locked. He's like, are you sure that's it? <laughs> and they'd have a discussion where it's – we kind of heard this before in previous issues where Gordon is saying, like, I'm probably – this is probably it for me. I'm getting older. I probably really did cause that destruction on the train. And I'm just – maybe this is just my time. I just can't cut it anymore. And Batman, of course, doesn't think that's true. And it pretty much just ends how most of the conversations ends where Batman is going to find the person who's really responsible and setting him up. But the big thing that happens at the end is Penguin does confront Falcone, and he's pretty much about to kill him. And Penguin, when he enters the room, he looks kind of like how he did in Batman Returns, where he has, like, just that white pajama suit on <laughs> that's, like, real tight to his skin. So I haven't seen that in a long time in a comic book. <laughs> Since Batman Returns, it was pretty funny to see that. I know we always complain about Penguin being used too much in almost every Batman comic <laughs> title, Uh-oh. but this one actually wasn't bad because there's actually changes going on to the Penguin's life, because this pretty much criminal empire is done with Carl, Carmine Falcone took it away, so to kind of see him desperate and wanting revenge was kind of nice to see something different where he just wasn't behind some lame new villain out there or supplying some weapons <laughs> or stuff like that. It was using the Penguin to a greater effect than he has been in a while, I would say. So as they're fighting it out, Detective Bard comes in with Vicky Bell, exposing them, kind of caught both of the acts. So they both get arrested and pretty much are going to be put alongside Gordon and Blackgate. So Gordon has that to look forward to. But, of course, having those two major crime bosses put away gets Batman's attention for Bard, and he's wondering if he can trust him. He's like, he, so he confronts him on the rooftop. And before he shows up, Bard is talking to his mom on the phone. He says, yeah, mom, everything is going just like I. He's like, okay, sorry, I have to go because Batman comes swinging down. So there's something up with this guy, and maybe that's not really his mom, but maybe some other character going by the name mom. I don't want to jump to the conclusion and say he's going to end up being a big bad guy, but there's more to Bard than just him being a cop trying to clean up the streets of Gotham and be the next Gordon because 
Batman comes up to him and says, you, you could make an excellent ally. He stresses could because Batman says uh, – he compares him to Gordon saying Gordon wasn't perfect, but he was good and he knew where to draw the line. And he finds out that in order to bar to get the drop on Penguin and to both get Penguin and Falcone, he had to uh, pretty much plant some, I guess, spies or whatever, or just some way to get that information for them to catch them both in the act. But him doing that, it costs 12 people their lives, and Batman's not going to allow that. <laughs> like, he doesn't – to get information, even if it's to catch these big criminals, he doesn't want it to put anyone's lives in jeopardy because of that. So that doesn't sit well with Batman, and so he really can't fully trust them yet. But Bard thinks this is the new way it has to be. The Gotham – he wants to do whatever it takes to clean Gotham up, and that even if that means crosses the line that Batman or Gordon would never do. So to me, there's just some up to this guy – I really don't want to see him turn into a full-fledged villain. I think it would be cool to have another ally in there, but one that Batman doesn't see eye-to-eye with all the time, but you know he's still a good guy, so I'm just hoping they don't go the full villain route where um, he just turns into a bad guy, so hopefully they won't go that that way, but I don't know. They're just something up with Barr that's more than meets the eye, I would say. <laughs> then the next page, the last page ends with Scarecrow being tortured by the Joker's daughter in Arkham, because the issue started with him being uh, taken captured through some hands in an invisible wall. I think that Ar- thinks Arkham is haunted, so that stuff's not really grabbing my interest. I think that's pretty much what issue 15 was about. And I, know I haven't had a chance to read it, but that one, that's like the stuff of Batman Eternal I'm not too interested in, so I just wanted to see it focus more on Batman and the police force and Gordon and all that stuff, so this is another solid issue, some big changes, so I'm excited to see where the next few uh, aspects of the story with Detective Bard and Batman and Go in the future. So I'll give this one four out of five bright throwback jerseys that we want to see in the World Series this year. And next up, I'll go ahead and cover Detective Comics number 33. And Mandane, I know we talked about this with the first issue, but this comic just looks amazing. I almost, I almost don't want to say this, but I really it doesn't matter if maybe the story is subpar because it's not. It is good, but the art is just so great in this that you can just look at it and just it's already be a worthwhile purchase just looking at the art. It's you just, want to frame it? Yeah, <laughs> there's one panel here that's really cool because it starts out with Batman um, fighting these two uh, gangs. One's like a biker gang, and this other's like like these two brothers and their gang, and they're fighting in an aquarium with water splashing everywhere. Man, they just great layouts and there's one great shot where the police are actually there and they're shining their guns their flash their guns with lights on and they're shining on Batman. You just see Batman sitting down in this great awesome pose with his silhouette, his, his eyes in the shadows, that type of look that Batman's known for. It just looks really cool. Just they're just knocking it out of the park visually. <laughs> I mean every page just looks really cool. Especially the ones with Batman in it of course. But um, the story wise this one um I would I wouldn't call it Week, but I guess out of the first three issues, this one probably wasn't my favorite. Um, but did have a gr- pretty cool ending, though. And the big thing about it was that Batman and Bullock are both kind of going about their different ways, trying to figure out who's in charge of bringing in the drugs of Icarus and this whole child trafficking that's going on. But what Batman finds out, this back traces this hideout out of a biker gang called the Kings of the Sun. And when he's there investigating it, he finds out they have a uh, particular interest in. Uh, the girl from the first two issues, um, Elena Aguila, I believe, and her daughter, Annette. So we find out that the leader of that gang, he brings the person of the other gang from the first issue who killed um, Elena 
in issue number one. He brings it to his daughter, to her daughter, and he finds out that the leader of that gang is actually um, her father. And he wants his daughter to kill the person who killed her mother out of revenge. So that was the reveal in this, and I'm sure their daughter, Annette's going to play a bigger role by the time this whole arc's done. But I really like how the issue ended where Batman and Bullock meet up at the Kane factory, and <laughs> they just have a pretty cool exchange where, you know, Bullock's not intimidated by Batman at all. And he's all like, uh, I knew you were here. Batman tries to sneak. He goes, I know you're here. Just go ahead and show yourself. He's all like, this city needs someone like me. They need a true detective, not someone like in a costume. And Batman's all, oh, is planting evidence and falsifying reports part of your job description? He's all like, what are you talking about? And then he mentions his partner who died six years ago. And Bullet just spits his toothpaste in Batman's cow. <laughs> in the next panel, you see both of their fists, their fists clutching. And you know they're going to go at it. Bullock just tells Batman to, like, shut up and stop talking about my partner. You don't know anything about that case. And Bullock just throws a punch. And it actually hits Batman, but the next punch he throws, Batman's able to dodge it. And Batman is just saying, like, okay, Bullock's all, I'm just getting started. Batman's like, I hope you say that. He's able to now just block every punch that he throws at him. But their fight gets interrupted by a big explosion. As someone who else has been affected with that Icarus drug, just like Elena was in issue one when she ran into Bruce's uh, home in Wayne Manor and blew up or was on fire. This is what happened at the end. The last page is a splash page of a big explosion while we see Batman punching Bullock right in the face. <laughs> this is another one of those great pieces of art that's been in Detective Comics for the last four issues since Francis Paul and Brian Bouchelotto took over. So art-wise, fantastic. Story-wise, still good, but not my favorite out of the four, the four parts so far. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one three and a half out of, four, out of five uh, throwback, bright throwback jerseys we're going to see in the World Series. How far do you right, so, um, <clears throat> I'm an issue back. Oh. I haven't read my comics yet. But uh, now, the moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go with Grayson. So I alluded to where Alex gave it a lot of praise, and I know I'm not the only one, or Alex wasn't the only one who loved this issue. So Corbin gave it five out of five on his review on the Batman universe. Wow. A, lot of, a lot of people were giving it high praise. I was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I thought. And I can at least thankfully say this isn't the train wreck I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's a pretty solid story, actually, but here's my problem. I just don't like seeing Dick Grayson in this role. <laughs> it's just something I'm not used to. Maybe I will get used to it if the story continues to be good, but it's just something about seeing Dick as a secret agent and having a gun, even though he didn't use it, or fire, he did use it to throw someone at someone's head, which is pretty cool, as he tries to sneak onto a train. So, I mean, it makes, if you're looking for a good spy story, it definitely is. It has some espionage on there where Dick sneaks into a train in disguise, try to get his cargo, which is actually a person, <laughs> and try to outdo this other Russian agents that are there trying to find the same person. So it makes for a really good spy story, but... Like I said, the fact that it's just Dick Grayson is going to take some getting used to. <laughs> um, he's actually working with another person from Spiral, who is um, Elena, Elena Bertinelli, which is a huntress's name. Now, I'm not familiar with World's Finest, that title going on, so I'm not sure if there's two versions of Elena Bertinelli. If it's the same character, or if this is the New 52 one, and the one in World's Finest is Earth 2, so I might be missing something on that, but either way, that's who Dick's partner is, but they have this weird powers where she's able to hypnotize someone or use mind control. And they say Dick has that too, but he's not 
fully using that yet, which is fine because, you know, he has the best training in the world <laughs> being trained by Batman. So he's able – he's being targeted by these other uh, agents and characters who have been in other 52 comics that I didn't read, so I'm not too familiar with them. But it was a pretty cool fight sequence that Dick had. Again, I just like how they're showing – where this is the part where it kind of works for its stick, where they're not expecting him to be this good of a fighter, thinking that he's just a spiral agent, but they don't know he's been training with Batman, so it's kind of cool to see him underestimate Dick, and he's able to put up a fight and be better than any of these other agents are. So stuff like that was pretty cool. But again, we get, at the end, Dick is staying in his, uh, like a private school or something. Um, he's staying there, and he's reporting to, which I assume is Bruce, because the first words he says are, Mr. Malone, this is Birdwatcher. So he's getting better with the hypnosis, but then he gets interrupted. And then Helena walks in, and she's kind of testing him, trying to seduce him in a way, but it doesn't work on Dick. But I wanted to see more of Bruce, or Dick trying to interact with Bruce, and this is exactly how much Bruce is going to be a factor into this story. Is he going to be in it a lot, where he's going to be interacting with Dick, and Dick's going to be feeding him information, or is it just going to be well, we never really see or hear of him, but we know that Dick's been reporting to him. So, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. But um, the issue ended with the leader of Spiral kind of – it's weird. He has, like, these heads in a jar, <laughs> and they're trying to do things new in Spiral, where I think the old person ahead of it was that they were trying to expose or use the superhumans or and just get rid of them and use their powers, where this new guy, he just wants to um, expose their identities and – kind of find out who all these heroes are and that anyone who has these powers cannot hide it away in their mask. So that's his goal. And, of course, that's why Batman sent Dick to infiltrate Spiral and protect all these heroes, which still I don't think is the best reason for having Dick part of this group. But in in the end, it was a good, solid story. Just not sure about that story being involved as Dick Grayson <laughs> as the main character. So I'm just going to kind of go down the middle with this one. I'm going to give it three out of five. Uh, bright-colored, flashy throwback jerseys we want to see in the World Series because, like I said, good story, but not sold on the whole idea of Dick. Uh, this is his new role now in DC Comics, being this agent for Spiral. Still not sold on that, but a good spy story if you're looking for one. So that's my take on it. I'm not in love with it, but I didn't hate it. And, you know, after Nightwing, that last issue, I was expecting the worst because that issue was awful. <laughs> and... It did a little bit to wipe away the bad taste of that one, but not fully because I still don't like the reasoning that Dick is going through all this. So it's in the heading in the right direction, though. I'm just kind of hoping now that the story continues to be good and intriguing where I'm not thinking about it being a dumb reason that Dick's there. I'm, I'm just engrossed in the story. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for going forward. Uh, I'm still not sold on it. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't sell me yet. Yeah, because it's not um, great, and that's the thing. I'm not sure if you're someone who's into spy stories, because I'm not really into spy stuff. I mean, some of the James Bond movies are cool. I can't say I'm a diehard fan, but yeah. I'm not like, I can't go, ooh, a great spy story. This is exactly what I'm looking for. It was, just, it was solid, though. So if you don't like spy stories and all that, and you don't like the idea of Grayson being involved with it, yeah, then I don't think it's going to change your mind pretty much. All right. Well, uh, for July 16th, we have Robin Rises Omega number one. Yeah, this one was just a good, fun issue. <laughs> I mean, you can maybe critique it where the first few pages were pretty much all flashbacks telling you the history of Damien and, like, pre-New 52, up to New 52, his time with Dick. This is when I was reading it. I was like, man, those are some good stories. Just what we were talking about earlier <laughs> with Damien and Dick. Just maybe wish to have 
who knows what parts and continuity of. I just wish it was still stuck in that main timeline. <laughs> but the big thing is that Apocalypse is some agents of Apocalypse are here to look for this uh, stone called the Chaos Shard, which is engraved into uh, the coffins that Talia and Damien are in, and this general from Apocalypse wants it. So Batman and Rachel Ghoul, of course, aren't going to let him have it. So for this brief moment, they're going to team up and battle uh, the Parademons from Apocalypse with the Man Bat. So this issue was just pretty cool for action. I mean, Andy Kubert's art was fantastic. Really cool layouts and just the designs of the characters. This, Maybe for some awesome action sequence, seeing Raish and Batman work together. Batman tosses. This is like great uh, action beat setup where Frankenstein, uh, Batman needs a sword. Frankenstein hands it to him. Frankenstein needs a weapon, so Batman hands him the sword. Just great fast-paced action. Something that you think you'd see in a movie. And like I said, Man Bats versus Parademons was pretty cool. And then something that was totally I didn't expect happening was that the Justice League showed up at the end because. Batman kind of sent a signal out knowing there's going to be trouble once this guy from Apocalypse and these parademons showed up. And this is the first time I think they've been encountered uh, members from Apocalypse since the first Justice League story by Jeff Johns. Cause they kept referencing that. Now, that was the last time they fought. So seeing the Justice League members team up, the new Justice League with Lex Luthor and Captain Cole was pretty interesting. And maybe it's another cool action sequence. It's one of those things like when you're watching a movie, oh, man, this is a really cool action sequence. How can it get better? But then they show up, and this makes it better and is more fun to read through. The only downside, I'd say, would be some of the dialogue the Justice League members had were pretty cheesy. <laughs> or just this is things like Aquaman saying to the Parademons, you obviously don't come in peace. But then we see some killer whales come and eat them. And then he says, but feel free to leave in pieces. <laughs> and then Luthor's all, I'm like Luthor. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> just stuff that is a little too cheesy to me where, I don't know, just I've been in fit with these characters where it's almost like they're being introduced for the first time and they're making themselves known when we know pretty much they don't really act like this. But another cool moment, which I like, was Batman. Of course, the Parademons and Apocalypse are able to get Damien's coffin. And Raish apparently fell down a, a chasm with Talia's coffin in the fight with the Parademons, but of course he's not dead. I'm sure he'll pop up eventually, but as they make their way through a boom tube, Batman uses his grapple to hook onto Damien's coffin, and he's going to go follow them through the boom tube, but then stupid Shazam comes in and blocks Batman's path and just cuts the rope, and Batman's not able to follow through. And Shazam's like, oh man, how cool is that? I got to save Batman twice today. And then Batman just punches him right in the face. <laughs> it's like, you idiot. This, I was trying to follow them. They got my son. I had him. You cut the rope. And of course, unfortunately, his punches don't hurt him, but it looks like he had some good ones in there. <laughs> so it's funny and cool to see. But it, it kind of ends with, uh, I'm trying to think of where it ends. I'm trying to flip through it right now, but no, that's Damien's it. Death. <laughs> Damien's death again. Because there was something that there were, Looking before Batman decides to go back to Apocalypse, it was just that uh, they found Frankenstein's body frozen <laughs> under some ice. You know they thought he was dead, but he comes back. So thankfully, Frankenstein's alive. <laughs> but it just ends with Batman just pretty much yelling to the Justice League, like I'm going to Apocalypse and bringing back my son alive. So it's setting up that somehow Damien might be resurrected because there's something to do with that chaos shard where Batman discovers this could hold the secret to resurrecting Damien. So. We'll see if that's where they go. I'm kind of hoping they do because they're teasing that already, and then if he doesn't come back, for me anyway, it might be a letdown. And they already said a Robin is coming back, and I don't see who else it could be. So hopefully it goes that route. But, again, this wasn't 
an issue that's going to be enjoyable just based on a story. It's just going to be a fun issue to read because of its great action sequences. So I had a good time reading it. So I'll go ahead and give this one four out of five throwback jerseys, uh, bright throwback jerseys, I should add, that <laughs> we want to see in the World Series. This is a fun read. So it was a double-sized issue almost. It was five bucks, so it better be more pages. So. <laughs> but I would say it was worth it. It was really cool action stuff in there. All right, well... I guess that's it, Tim. We're finally done with this crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, you only say it's crap because you know you love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just go to the BatmanUniverse.net. Um, follow us on Facebook. Why am I saying that? Nobody's going to follow us on Facebook. I will uh, say we've had some likes when I posted our podcast on there, but unfortunately... It's all your mom. Not lately, yeah. <laughs> She's doing it to help out. But we need all right, some likes. Yeah, so, so why am I mentioning that? Um, yeah, just uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. Tim's is at TimG311. Just go to BatmanUniverse.net. Follow that man. Blah, blah. <laughs> the Batman. <laughs> follow the Batman Universe. Um on Facebook at facebook.com slash Batman Universe and on Twitter at and the Twitter handle is at Batman Universe. So uh yeah, just uh oh yeah, uh rate us on iTunes and stuff. So with that goodbye everybody. We will see you later. Uh it's been fun. We love you. It's great being back again talking with Tim about just random stuff. It has nothing to do with anything that that we've set off to do. And ten minutes with Terrence some audio issues. <laughs> it was a good ten we just wanted to hear his voice, but we got irritated at the voice. <laughs> yeah, his audio quality was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously with um, but yeah, uh, goodbye everybody, we love you. Remember, if nobody else loves you in your life, the Batman universe, bad fans without pants and socks and shoes and whatever the hell loves you. And if it's two twins, loves you. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Alright, now.